Alright everybody, this week's episode of Run Past Michigan is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know that Michigan football ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers and then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. I have the Game Time app on my phone. I've used it to uh, tour through it anyway multiple times. It's a pretty sleek situation. Uh, one of the best highlights of the app is your ability to pick your seat and then see panoramic pictures of where you'd be sitting at a game. Uh, it also works for uh, any sport. So if you're a college football fan of any team, you can do it there. College basketball season starting up, you can get in with that. Uh, still time for NFL tickets, NHL, NBA, the whole shot. Uh, two taps and you can buy your ticket. Also, uh, concert and uh, theater tickets available on there as well. So be sure to head to the App Store or the Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. We want the Big Ten Championship, and we're going to win it as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. When the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Run Past Michigan, our RPM podcast here on The Athletic. Uh, it is our Tuesday show, our free show for all. Uh, I am Nick Baumgartner, of course, along with Austin Meek and Ann Arbor. How are we doing, Austin? Good, man. How are you doing? Very good. Uh, Michigan, of course, heading into its second bye of the season at 7-2, and two. Um, feeling... Better about itself, I would imagine. You'd have uh, to say. In just about every area, even though uh, you know, thirty-eight-seven over Maryland in a game that was never close. That was over from the minute the ball was kicked off. <laughs> I guess or the minute Charles Jackson caught it. Uh, but a game that was never close, um, and a game that featured some, you know, some positive, but also some things to work on. Uh, but overall, a defensive performance. I think that was just completely uh, swarming. I mean, they, Maryland really never. They moved the ball a few times, but any time they get to the red zone, it stalled out. And, and I mean, Michigan really had it going there defensively. Yeah, that that was a pretty uh, that was a pretty nondescript football game. Yeah, uh, you know, there were a couple things that happened that you kind of took note of, but the vast majority of it was just kind of a whole lot of nothing. Which I think, from <laughs> Michigan's perspective, is what you want in right. that game. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, there's a few things that can happen to make that game interesting, and none of them are good for Michigan. So, I think the the best case scenario for a game like that is. Just get out of there with a comfortable win, uh, with really you know nothing, yeah. nothing that's going to linger from that game that anybody's going to talk about beyond you know, today. Like, yeah. just was a very you know not not a not a very notable game in any way, shape, or form, other than a couple things you know that, that we saw Giles Jackson taking the opening kickoff back, mm-hmm. something we hadn't seen this year. Uh, it, you know, I, and I I thought that really the one question or concern that I I had with Michigan going into this is. Would they come out flat a week right. after such an emotional high of, of beating Notre Dame? And now you're going on the road, playing in a stadium that was maybe a third full at kickoff. Yeah, I mean, it, it was yeah. it was pretty dead there. Yeah. So, you know, if you, if you start slow, it was the kind of game where you could look up at the scoreboard and it's like 0-0 zero, zero in the second quarter and you're like, what's going on here? But you take the opening kickoff back for a touchdown, and then it's kind of off to the races. And uh, and after that, you know, Michigan just kind of did what did what they needed to do. Yeah, I think defensively we can start with that because you know Maryland had a couple drives early in the game 
where they're able to get on the edge a little bit and, and make some yardage. Um, still only finishing him with 233 yards, including garbage time, which is you know pretty outstanding for Michigan. But they did have a couple drives early where they were able to move the ball, and then Michigan's third down defense was just outstanding. And it was we talked to Josh Uche after the game and Josh Metellus, but Uche really, it's I feel like he's starting to um, form into the guy that we talked about in the offseason as a player who, when I got asked a bunch in the summer, like, who's going to be the guy that I I don't know much about today if I'm not a Michigan fan or follower, if I don't know much about this guy today but I'm going to know his name at the end of the season, I kept saying that would be Josh Uche. I thought he was, you know, in this defense, you know, the type of athlete that Don Brown really hasn't had in terms of, I mean, not that he's the best athlete he's had, but in terms of body shape and what he plays, that defensive end slash linebacker, um, and they're really doing a lot of cool stuff with him now, and it's starting to pick up seven and a half sacks now. He had two more in this game. We saw a lot more of the uh, the four defensive end look, the the Uche, Quidipe, Michael Dana, and Aiden Hutchinson, which was unblockable. I mean, they, Maryland had no answer for that. They had nothing. Uh, and as we go forward here with Michigan and look at it, I mean, every team they're going to play now until Ohio State should have no answer for if you're going to get into third and eight or nine and you want to put those four guys on the field, and it's time to go be the quarterback, that's going to be a big problem because all those guys bring something unique to the table, led, I think, by Uche just screaming off the edge. It's, it's a unique situation, mm-hmm. and it's kind of neat to see them you know, mix and match some stuff now, and, and we've seen some things that uh, we thought were possible, but now we're starting to see them play out. Yeah, Maryland's offensive line obviously had no, great. no answer <laughs> yeah, right. uh, when, when Michigan put all those fast guys on the yeah. field. Uh, you know, the, the teams that, that Michigan will play the last three games are, are going to you know be able to do some things against that look that, that Maryland obviously couldn't mm-hmm. do, but that's that's just a tough that's yeah. a tough thing when you put all that speed on the field and it goes back to you know the thing we've talked about all season about you know the the speed of this defense and and you really saw it uh, in, in that game uh, it was just they were unblockable you yeah. know, Maryland just there was nothing that that Maryland could do with that and you know Josh Uche I'll, I'll give that guy some credit is he was the guy three weeks ago who stood there and said like everybody who wrote us off after Wisconsin uh y'all y'all missed the boat because mm-hmm. this is a, a really good defense and we're going to get it fixed and they have yeah you know you look at the last six games that they've played uh I think they gave up five offensive touchdowns against Wisconsin uh and they've given up nine wow. since then uh, over six games, so that that it's a pretty impressive run that they're on defensively. Yeah, and it's it's from a, and I would also add into that. Aiden Hutchinson was a guy we talked to earlier in the season who was also along the same salty level as Uche in mm-hmm. terms of you guys don't know what you're talking about, people don't know what they're talking about. We had a bad day, but it's going to be fine. And he's been another one who we've talked about Carlo Kemp on this show many times and Dwum Four and their impact they've had. But uh, Hutchinson is becoming a player now as a sophomore that entering next season. And as you know, through the close of the year, he's going to be a good player, but too. But entering next year, I would think his profile is going to yeah. just skyrocket. I mean, he's a six foot six, two hundred eighty pound guy, and we saw, you know, he's so big now that their ability to move him inside in these pass rush situations has been, uh, you know, along with Mike Dana, has been something that's been just difficult for people to block. I mean, how many times now have we seen him block a like a screen or an edge throw, bat it into the air, and nearly mm-hmm. intercept it? I mean, you know, just making these super athletic plays high motor and you know this whole this whole defense really has been turned toward what we thought it could be you know from the front seven you know with Cameron McGrone coming in for an injured Josh Ross and making his impact the way he has been Hudson 
Clay Hudson, Hudson has been super consistent all year. Jordan Glasgow continues to give them things every time he's in. And then the front four, uh, and really it's six guys basically for the most part, but it's not a deep rotation, but the way they've been able to move it around a little bit. And it's not really a front four. They're playing a 3-3-5 for the most part. But uh, mixing some zone, getting some different pressures from all over the place, and then really for more than anything else, being able to use your speed uh, against teams that can't match it has been really just something that um, – you know, we kind of thought this is this is the way they're gonna. There are a lot of ways to skin the cat. This is the way they're gonna have to do it. They're gonna have to be faster than whoever they're playing. That holds up in most weeks, except for the last game of the season, which is a different conversation. But right now, uh, really humming along really well and uh, really impressive. Yeah, we didn't rehearse this beforehand. Kind of put you on the spot here, but I was so before the season, I did uh, I did a ranking of yeah. uh, the top twenty. Uh, most important players, which mm-hmm. again, you know, I had been here for like five minutes, so there was a little bit of guesswork involved in that. Uh, yeah, uh, but now we've seen you know yeah. most of a season, and I was trying to think back this week's like if I did that again, mm-hmm. who would I put up there as as you know as the number one guy? Uh, it's actually kind of hard. Like yeah, I, you could make a case for a bunch of guys. I don't know who, who would you, who would be your uh, your MVP to this point. Oh man, what a tough. Uh, that is really really difficult. Um, you know, it's it's probably someone defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I I have a hard time going against like a Kalik Hudson or a or maybe even a McGrone. Yeah. I mean, because he's just I feel like Cameron McGrone changed so much. And maybe it was just timing. Maybe mm-hmm. it was just he happened to elevate himself at a time when you know when they needed it or something. I don't know because I don't think Josh Ross was necessarily playing poorly before he got hurt. Uh, but you know, maybe even yeah, maybe even McGrone. I mean, just his yeah. presence has been just. It feels like it's changed everything. And uh, I would also say another one that would be sleepy on that would be Metellus. I think mm-hmm. that he's a guy yeah. that you know. There's a number, like you said, offensively we could talk about like Ben Bredesen. We could talk about yeah. Hassan Haskins. Yeah. Um, you know, you know all these other guys. Ronnie Bell even at times has been sure. really tough for them. But Metellus has been a guy that uh, always seems to get slept on. And has been so steady, um, mm-hmm. really through his entire career. And he's gotten, he caught flack and like as a sophomore for a few things that he probably shouldn't have caught as much flack for. And, and same goes for last year. But I think he's been another one of these guys. We talked about Uche being, you know, you guys missed the boat on us. I think Metellus has been pretty steadfast. And he said, he said it uh, after Saturday's game. Um, look, we knew how to win games, man. Like you guys don't mm-hmm. need to. Talk. I mean, we we know we had a bad day at Wisconsin. We know what we're doing here. We're going to be fine, and 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 it's been proven true. I think Metellus is tough to vote against. I mean, I think he's been a. I mean, if, if you ask Don Brown, I think it'd be tough. But I think he'd have a hard time saying, "I don't know what I would do without Josh Metellus." Yeah, as a veteran guy who obviously brings a lot of leadership in, in that locker room and has played a lot of football, I, I, it's hard to go wrong with that. And I think you can make a case for Aiden Hutchinson. You could. You know, he's. I just. I feel like he's maybe been the most consistent guy who like yep. every game. There's been a couple plays where where he just comes up big, and you're like, man, you know, they they need that guy on the field. Yeah. Um, you know, partly because you know they're not a big defense; they don't have a lot of size. Uh, and he, you know, as as a big guy who's as athletic as he is, you know, I I think he would be really hard to replace if yeah. if he wasn't out there. You That's know, a great point. they could lose some other guys and still have a lot of speed. Uh, but the combination of of the size and the power that he has is, is pretty essential. But yeah, I'm, I'm just looking back at this list. I had Shea Patterson number one, which was kind of a cop out on, <laughs> on my part. Uh, probably wouldn't, uh, yeah. you know, probably would not have him number one if I did this again. Uh, but yeah, you know, 
Okay, and Levert well, Hill, yeah, Levert Hill. He's been good. He's I mean, been good. there's been a lot of guys that just like Caesar's been really good Caesar, in the back yeah. end here. Quiddy Pay, of course, has been good. All those defensive linemen, but I think Hutchinson is certainly on the list. This is a this is kind of a, a team that's had a bunch of these guys that've done mm-hmm. it at different points. I would say the guys who let's look at it this way: who are, who are the guys who've been consistently good wire to wire? And I would say Hutchinson might be the the only one we can point to and say. I think even in the Wisconsin game, he may have had some some moments where yeah. it's like, okay, well, at least this guy's got his, got yeah. his stuff together. Uh-huh. He might be the only one, now that I think about it, that wire-to-wire has been outstanding pretty much all season, like an all-Big yeah. Ten player. And, you know, you forget that he's only a sophomore. It's only a, really his first full year playing big-time reps. I mean, he played a little bit as a freshman. But a guy who now you look at Aiden Hutchinson going forward and you say, well, he should have a strong finish to this season. And then next year, you know... He may be a captain or something. I mean, he might mm-hmm. be a guy that they're looking yeah, at as a, sure. as a as an anchor captain type player with a NFL profile ahead of him. So, yeah, he he's been he'd be tough to vote against. That's a great point. I didn't think about him. I guess in that vein as much because because of the older guys. But mm-hmm. yeah, they wouldn't be where they're at. Or they wouldn't have been able to turn the thing around certainly without him or get get themselves off yeah. the mat. I guess mm-hmm. so to speak. And Nico Collins at ten uh, should be higher. Should be one. hard hard, <laughs> yeah. hard to put him higher based on because uh, again. Yeah. You know, we see they they take one deep shot to him. It's he a fifty-one it. yard completion. Yeah. It's like just you're just waiting for the game where they say we're going to do this five times. Yeah, and if right. we throw two picks, we throw two picks. Right. But we're going to take five deep shots to Nico Collins right. and see what it gets us. I just I'm waiting for them, and I it may never happen, but I'm holding <laughs> I think, out hope. I think if they took five. I bet you'd be two catches, two pass interferences, and one I'm not sure what would happen. Mm-hmm. But I'll bet four of the five would be productive plays because they took another shot to him toward the end zone and it was pass interference and mm-hmm. they ended up getting a yeah. touchdown out of it. And it was just like, I'm like, anytime they're in the red zone or anytime they're near the red zone, like from the 30 on in, I feel like if you just put two or three receivers to the one side and put Collins by himself and force them to cover him solo or tip their hand or shade a safety or something like you can either take your shot to him and get pass interference or a yep. touchdown or it opens up everything else i mean it's mm-hmm. just he's such a presence out there um and you're right i i maybe we'll see that game i i don't know i mean like it's been harder to decide like how's that gonna work i know you can't just run an entire offense out of taking vertical shots all game but i gotta tell you i i just this guy should be getting 10 or 11 targets a game. I just don't mm-hmm. know how I mean, this is a game where against Maryland, obviously they want to just run the ball and get the hell out of there. Yeah. And they did, and that's fine. Um, but as we look back on the season, I think there's certainly going to be moments where you say there were missed chances to get him more involved. But, hey, I mean, you got two rivalry games coming up, right? you got Michigan State and Ohio State, and if you if you heavily involve them in a game like, like Michigan State. I've mm-hmm. covered Michigan State all year. I know what Michigan State is. Michigan State's going to have trouble with Nico Collins one-on-one. Mm-hmm. They just are. And so if you force them to react to that, you know, routinely throughout a game, it's really going to help everything else. And I think Jim Harbaugh has been talking about the last couple of weeks, you know, he's been drawing double teams, he's been drawing the brackets, and we've seen it help the run game. We've mm-hmm. seen it open that up too. So I think it's important to also note that the other parts of the offense are also, you know, feeling the benefit of just him being on the field, even yeah. though we you know, we would all like to see him make some more <laughs> catches because it's sure. just fun to watch. Yeah. Watch him play. Yeah, I think one of the things we talked about last week on the podcast was so Michigan has established a base of things now that they seem to be really comfortable mm-hmm. with offensively. And the question was moving forward, do they say, we found our formula, and until we have to do something different to win a game, 
We're not going to, yeah. you know, make somebody stop this. Or are they going to say, okay, we've got our foundation now. Let's try to expand on that. Let's try to build on it. Uh, let's try to plant some seeds of other things that, that teams are going to have to worry about. Probably against Maryland, mm-hmm. that's not really the game where you're going to throw out 10 new wrinkles yeah. of different things you can do. So it was pretty much you know by the same script that we had seen with maybe a couple things thrown in. I, I know in your film study you pointed out uh, a couple kind of nifty things yep. that, that Josh Gaddis did. So, I mean, overall, seemed like they kind of stuck with, with what was working, yeah. but also just sprinkled in maybe a couple things to the – Michigan, whether it's Michigan State or Indiana or Ohio State, are going to look at and say, "Oh, hey, we gotta, we gotta uh, watch out for that." Yeah, I think that they're they've expanded. They've started to do the process of the ex, uh, expanding into more ground now that they've settled themselves again. They're getting back to some of the other things, and I think they're going to be able. I would I would assume they're going to get they're going to be able to get back to some of the the true quarterback read things and mm-hmm. really let that dictate where they go from here because they've run a lot of this stuff. You know the the play that they scored the touchdown on the Eubanks, which was such a cool play and a yeah. nifty call, and uh, Josh Gaddis telling me on Twitter yesterday <laughs> that it was a Moorhead play um, that he borrowed from him. But it's a it's a really cool thing. But it's you know it's run out of their bluff arc read package that they they do a lot with that all year, and that play is you know that's like an RPO look right where mm-hmm. it's you, you you know Patterson can pull it or um, or give it in that situation. Eubanks can slip out there. There's a lot of things you yeah. have to pay attention to. As a defense, it's that you know it's it's got that uh, you know, the tight end run on the, the vertical route to get the uh, the tight or the, uh, uh, the I guess it would be the Y underneath uh, some some room to score the touchdown. But it's uh, a lot of those type of things, right? That uh, I think Jeff Gaddis told us like in the second or third week of the season that you know nothing they do on the ground is just a straight give or pretty mm-hmm. much nothing they do. It's everything has a read component to it. And what I do think we can start to maybe maybe we'll start to see this is more comfortability from Shea Patterson and the ability to uh, make some of those reads mm-hmm. and be a little more tricky with it and be a little more um, you know make people pay more attention to certain things and, and worry about other stuff. But I I don't think that we'll see just them standing pat and say we're just going to do this until somebody gets us because I don't think they can. You know Michigan State's got problems, but defensively they're still. Plenty good up front on, mm-hmm. the, on the defensive line to just—it's going to be hard to just bully them like you did Notre Dame, I would think, even without Joe Bocci uh, in the middle there. Um, so I think you're going to have to continue to expand that. And then Indiana is like this terror game that is just <laughs> sitting there that <laughs> yeah. I know everyone knows it's there. Uh-huh. Nobody's really talking about it, but I know they know it's there. And Indiana's already, I think, at six or seven wins. I mean, they're already—they've clinched a winning season for the first time in a long time. Um, Playing really, really good football uh, at Indiana. Indiana always plays Michigan tough. That's another one where I don't think you can just vanilla that game. I think Indiana is mm-hmm. going to be able to score some points, and you're going to have to find ways to uh, be a little more creative. So I'm not real sure. You know, I think that it's an interesting scenario because maybe you know now all of a sudden Michigan has the ability to tell people you know, maybe you don't know what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you don't know how we're going to do things. Maybe we will one day show up on Saturday and say, we're throwing the ball to Nico 14 times. I dare you to stop it. I mean, maybe they will do that. I don't know. And, yeah. you know, if that happens, I'd be very interested to see what the impact of that would be. Yeah, but, I yeah. mean, you know, it, you keep kind of waiting for that for that day to come. And, uh, you know, the one thing about Maryland is their pass defense was not good. And you thought that there was maybe a possibility that this would be a game where, uh, at least for a half or something, we see Michigan say, hey, we're just going to air it out. They didn't. I mean... Yeah. You know, it 
with Shea Patterson, he's kind of a frustrating player because yeah, you see him play so well. You know, that second half against Penn State, I mean, right. he didn't throw the ball a lot against Notre Dame. You know, that one's kind of a hard one to judge because of the weather. But you see times when Shea Patterson plays so well and you want that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Shea was fine against Maryland. Yeah. Like, you know, he played as well as he needed to play. He made a couple nice throws. He made a couple throws where you're like, uh, I'm not that sure great. that one was yeah. going. Right. Uh, he was fine. And, you know, nope. You, know, you don't want a quarterback who comes out and plays his best game against Maryland and then point. stinks yeah. against Michigan State and Ohio State. So, like... Nobody's going to say, oh, you know, why didn't Shea Patterson throw for more than 150 yards against Maryland? Uh, but you're still kind of waiting, you know. Mm-hmm. You're waiting to see that uh, over a whole game uh, against a, an opponent like one of these teams that Michigan's got coming up. Yeah, and it's like, it's interesting because I remember last year, you know, obviously he was very good in a lot of moments and more than good enough most of the time, efficient and everything else. And then they, they went and played Michigan State in a game that got, you know, due to missed field goals and some and some mess messy things, got way closer than it needed to be, and you know he was able to make four or five really clutch plays in that game that separated and made the difference. And then we saw him play it in, in, on the road in a tough environment and be a gamer, you know, mm-hmm. be a player. And then we saw, like you said, the Penn State game this year where he's able to make just enough just enough to get you back in there and, and get you get you going again. And I keep wondering in the back of my mind, like. It, are, are we going to see the day where he goes into one of the... Are we going to see him go to Ohio State and just say, the hell with everything else that's happened this year. You're going to get everything, the best of me, for four quarters, mm-hmm. for 70 plays or whatever it is. Um, and I'm going to show you that that's more than good enough to win this game. You know, that's the type of thing that I keep wondering. Because you, like you said, it's a little frustrating to watch him because there are times where you're like... Well, he missed that guy, you know, like that, you know, it's like that was open and he missed it, you know, and he shouldn't be missing that as a senior. And then there are times in games, in big games, in big spots where you're like, boy, that's a really good play. It's mm-hmm. a really, really, that's a senior play. So you're right. I, I think that um, he's doing exactly what they're asking him to do in a game like this. Um, but, you know, you, you really kind of would like to see him maybe in this Michigan State game, especially in two weeks. I think you'd really like to see. A full four quarters from Shea Patterson. A full yeah. like, give me let let us see your best mm-hmm. for four quarters, and let's and let's decide what we think you are after that. Yeah. Um, let's let's get rid of the inconsistencies. Let's get rid of the well, we had three straight three and outs because I missed a couple guys. Let's get rid of those things mm-hmm. and let's just see because I, I really do think maybe this is a hot take, but I don't think it is. I really do think if we got the best of Shea Patterson for four quarters. Then Michigan would be a pretty tough team to beat. I, yeah. I really think that's true. I think if if they could get him to be, and I think at this point it's just it's about him. It's about mm-hmm. just being consistent. If that were the case, I think he has enough there. I think he. I think people have started to even undersell him a little bit. I I really I don't think he's as bad as some people have tried to make him out to be. I don't think he was as great as people tried to make him out to be when he got here. But I think there's more in the tank, and I'd like to see it for a full game. Yeah, I mean, we've all covered players or seen players. Uh, who you know you you play somebody like Maryland and it's mm-hmm. like all right this is a game to pad the stats 
Yes. Like, there there yeah. are guys who, you know, in a game like that are absolutely going into it thinking, all right, boys, I'm going to throw for 300 yards yeah. today. Whether you want me to or not. <laughs> yeah. Shea Patterson <laughs> is not that guy. I mean, I kind of made the joke to you, I think, in the press box. Like, oh, Shea needs 110,000 in the stands to, to bring the yeah. A game. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. But that's kind of that's kind of the player like he is. Right? Like, mm-hmm. he, he has shown an ability to elevate his game uh, in, in those big moments. And those are coming up now. Yeah. You know, I mean... The word legacy is so overused in sports, uh, yeah. you know, that it, it's virtually lost its meaning. But if you buy into that stuff, these are the legacy games for Shea Patterson. I mean, how how differently is Shea Patterson remembered at Michigan if he goes three and zero in these last three games versus you go two and one, one and two, whatever, however you want to break that down? Michigan wins these last three games. The story of Shea Patterson coming to Michigan looks way different than it does uh, if, if there's a loss or two in here. Yeah, and that's a great point because I immediately when you brought that up, I thought back to Jake Rudock's one season he had at Michigan, which was basically terrible for six weeks. I mean, they lost to Mich- a tough game to Michigan State at home that pretty much eliminated them. Uh, from playoff contention anyway, and ended up hurting in the Big Ten. But they lost that tough game on the punt play. Hmm. But that was also a game where it was so close, and he still wasn't playing well. And it was like, I remember looking back at that game being like, if Jake Rudock had done things that we know he's capable of, they win the game. Mm-hmm. The last five games of that season, though, he was awesome. He the, the switch flipped, and he just turned into this guy that you were getting the best of Jake Rudock for four quarters. And he was lighting people up. And he finished the year with this great stat line. And they won some games at the end. And even with a loss to Ohio State at the end, they still ended up having people feel good. And he's remembered now as a guy who was a really productive, really good player here. Mm -hmm. That's a great point because here we go. Michigan State at Indiana, Ohio State, and then a bowl game. You got four left. Yeah. If he goes and he plays lights out football for the next four games into a bowl game, um... Yeah, he could really flip the tail on, and, you know, and, and if, you know, beats Michigan State, beats Indiana, and who knows with Ohio State, right? If he f- somehow manages to engineer something there, even with a 9-2, and two or, or, I'm sorry, a 10-2 and two season, it wasn't what people wanted because it's probably not going to mean Big Ten Championship, I guess, unless somebody shocks Ohio State or, or ban Penn State, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you're right. He does have a chance here to prove to people who just think he's not very good, um... You know, hey, I was pretty good, and I was pretty good, and I, I had to play in two completely different offenses in two years, coming in here cold, and I did the best I could, and you know, we'll, we'll leave it at that. But he's mm-hmm. got three weeks to prove it, and then a bowl game, and uh, like you said, I we I don't think we've seen the full. We we saw we saw close to the full sixty against Penn State, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's the only time all year where we've seen the full. You know, this is what this guy has. Rutgers, he carved him up, but whatever. Um, so we'd like, to, you know, it'd be interesting to see if he can put that together in some of these big moments coming up. Yeah. Well, it feels like I think the thing that we talked about before is like coming into this bye week, the the goal is basically you don't want to take a step back against Maryland. You wanna you wanna hit this bye week feeling like okay, you know, all systems go. Uh, we've got a week here yeah. to rest up. Uh, sounds like the players are going to be pretty much off this week. I'm sure they'll they'll yeah. watch some film and stuff. But chance to rest the bodies. It's getting kind of late in the season. Uh, Health wise, Michigan's probably as healthy as they've been all season. Yep. Um, you know, Josh Ross uh, was on the trip. I, I don't think he played in the game, but he's apparently I think you getting could play close. Him and Richard, him still right? Would he have with these three? That's left? a good point. Yeah, because he played. He got hurt in Wisconsin, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Right. Uh, so you know, 
it looks like they're in a good spot here. Yeah. Uh, you you take this week, um, you know, do some prep on Michigan State, do some prep on Ohio State, do some prep on Indiana. Uh, it's all it's all lined up here uh, for, for them to finish well, and you just got to do it. You know, it's right yeah. there. Yeah, and that's, that's been the you. case. It's, like, it's a broken record. It's been the case like every year with our buzz teams. You know, you have it right there in front of you. You have to finish. And boy, would it be different. What would it be? Three of the four years have finished on sour notes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they just have. I mean, every year finished with an Ohio State loss. But the first year when they finished with that win against Florida in the Citrus Bowl, I mean, it propelled them into a terrific start in 2016. And they had all these great feelings about themselves. And people were happy and everything else. And I, I just, finishing a season stronger than you started it would be a novel con- or a different Mm-hmm. feeling here and it would really I think maybe help propel them into into better areas I mean they obviously we're always going to look back at this season and say what the hell happened at Wisconsin and why did the season start so sluggish mm-hmm. and that's never going to go away and there's never going to be really an excuse for it because they had too many veteran players for that to go otherwise happened is what it is I mean but there are three weeks left you know I think for people to gather themselves. I think when you think about recruiting in general overall and the overarching part of it for for Michigan to maintain sort of its status or area in recruiting where they're able to go into living rooms with a lot of really good players and have a fighting chance, you know, to uh, Michigan and Penn State recruit about the same level. That's a pretty good level to be at. Um, you know, they lost that game to Penn State this year, but if you can somehow manage to get 10 wins out of this season, I think you're still on that level where you're still going to have a fighting chance with good players. But if this thing finishes with like eight wins, you know we're we're still talking about that. I mean that's still possible. Mm-hmm. If you finish yeah. the season like eight and five or something, um, you're going to have a rough go, and it's going to be really hard to continue any recruiting momentum. You're going to lose a lot of it that you gained back, and that's going to create more problems down the road. And you're going to be in these situations again. And so finishing strong here is is really really important. Yeah. One last thing before we go, because I'm sure we will not have occasion to bring this up again. Maryland and Rutgers. <laughs> God, that, I was looking back. Uh, Pretty bad, man. So Michigan's ten and zero against those two teams under yeah. Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the scoring margin was like four hundred and fifty-eight to like seventy something. Just, I just yeah. <laughs> Jim Jim Delaney. Uh, hey, thanks for the DC trip. Uh, yeah, that and, was yeah. that was kind of fun. I'd never been to DC before. <laughs> I you know, I, I walked around the National Mall a little yeah. bit. You know, you can see the appeal of it, but man, that. That whole it's just it's weird to have that imbalance in the division of right. like you've got Ohio State, which is possibly the best team in the country, has an argument for that. Sure. And you've got Rutgers, which is the worst Power FBS team. team. I mean, they are yeah. they are FCS level. Yes. Uh, Horrible. Yeah, maybe even below like yeah. a good FCS right. team. They're just off, they got their AD out there uh, referring yeah, to reporters as scum. Yeah, yeah that, right. like that. Not exactly what uh, yeah. in keeping with the uh, dignified image of the uh, the Big Ten conference. I, I just well, I look back on it, and of course the moves were made for television purposes. Um, obviously, as we know, right? It was you wanted to get the New York City market to watch Big Ten games, even though when you go to Manhattan, you can't get Big Ten Network on a, ho- on a TV in a hotel. <laughs> they wanted to get Maryland and the DC market in in there and everything else. But I always go back and think, okay, let's just play here. Like, what if they had gotten Syracuse instead mm-hmm. of Rutgers? Uh, and what if they had gotten like Pitt or Cincinnati or yeah. Kentucky? I used to 
carry on anyone who would listen to me about Kentucky because <laughs> I thought they'd never leave the SEC, but I thought that would have been awesome. Oh, yeah. And, Rupp Arena. Yeah. I mean, and they, football, they would have competed better yeah. than Maryland has. Oh, sure. And, you know, and Maryland at least brought the basketball component where, you know, they haven't been, they've got talented players and there's still a chance there, but they're never, Maryland is never going to compete in the Big Ten in football because they're in, just like Rutgers, they're in an area of the country that gets invaded mm-hmm. by with recruiting. I mean, Michigan recruits DMV. Ohio State recruits DMV. Penn State does. Notre Dame does. All of the SEC does. And the same with Rutgers in New Jersey. Penn, Michigan, Penn State, Notre Dame, Ohio State. Everybody invades New Jersey and takes all the best players. And then there's nobody left. And the same thing happens with Maryland. And it's just one of these things where it feels like they're set up to fail. And I always wonder, like, what are they... Are they enjoying this? Are those two programs or those two athletic departments? Are they really having a good time here? Because I mean, they're gonna get they're getting more money, and at, at the time when you make the transition, it was about survival. Mm-hmm. But like, man, I just you know, I I guess you can't undo it now. You just got to figure it out. But I, it's impossible to see a situation where Rutgers, Maryland, I could probably buy. Yeah, but it's impossible, right? I mean, I can't think of one. Who, who's Rutgers? I mean, they're looking for a coach right now. What are they going to do? What are they going to do that that gets you to say, who would they have to hire for us to be like, okay, I think they have a chance. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be Greg Schiano, I can tell you that. It sounds, yeah, I saw the, I saw this weekend that there's uh, some momentum for that. which Yeah, so, I mean, that seems inevitable almost. Yeah. I, whatever. I'm, I'm looking right now. Somebody tweeted this during the game, and I'm pulling it up right now. The, uh, the top 20 players in Maryland, Yeah. Uh, none of them committed none to Maryland. Uh, Michigan has three of them. Yeah. No, Maryland has zero. Everyone's in there. Mike Loxley is actually one of the best DMV recruiters in the, in the country. He's six and thirty-seven as a head coach <laughs> in his career. Like, I mean, what's going on here? So, I don't know. I, I don't see it uh, getting any better anytime soon. I think Maryland's like ceiling would be like seven or eight if, mm-hmm. could, if Maryland could become what Indiana has ground its way to become. But I mean, Indiana's fighting and more of an uphill battle than Maryland is. So, yeah. I don't know, man. All right, folks. Well, thanks for checking out the show. This was our uh, our free show of the week. So, thank you for listening on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Nick and I will be back on Thursday for our subscriber-only show. Uh, no Michigan game this week, Wait, so no... Uh, Q&A? Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. we'll do a little uh, Q&A on Twitter. Uh, have a chance to uh, look around at some other games. There's some good ones on the on the schedule this week, but uh, not not a Michigan game. So uh, enjoy enjoy your uh, your uh, week off, Michigan fans. But we will be back on Thursday to talk to you here on the RPM podcast.